Good morning. Today is December 2nd already, and welcome to the Personnel Committee of the Transportation Authority. Uh, my name is John Avalos, the Chair of the Transportation Authority and the Chair of the Personnel Committee. To my left is uh, Commissioner Malia Cohen, uh, and we'll be joined shortly by Commissioner Eric Marr. The Clerk of the Committee is Steve Stamos, and uh, today's Committee meeting is broadcast by SFGTV staff, Jonathan Gumwalk and Jesse Larson. Thank you for your work. And Mr. Clerk, could you please call the next item? Item number one, roll call. Commissioner Avalos? Present. Avalos present. Commissioner Cohen? Present. Cohen present. Commissioner Marr? Marr absent. We have quorum. Okay. And um, Commissioner Marr will be here soon, so um, we will not have to excuse him. Um, Okay, our next item, please. Item number two, approve the minutes of the July 10, 2014 meeting. This is an action item. Okay, um, I have no comments or questions on the I, minutes. I don't have Okay, that. we're okay with the minutes, and we'll open up public comment on this item. And seeing no member of the public come forward, we'll close public comment, and we'll have a roll call vote. On item number two, Commissioner Avalos? Aye. Avalos, aye. Commissioner Cohen? Aye. Cohen, aye. Commissioner Marr? Mar absent, the item passes. Great, okay, so uh, now we're on to the main event uh, today, item number three, uh, it'll be our, our closed session. Would you call the item please? Item number three, closed session, public em employee performance evaluation and approval of the executive director's performance goals for 2015. This is an action item. Great, thank you. So uh, we need to prepare the room for closed session.
Big dreams and good grades aren't enough to get into college. There are actual steps you need to take. Finding someone who can help is the first and most important. For the next steps, go to knowhowtogo.org. They call me the Fry Queen. Why, just last night, I made my specialty, French fried Twinkies. Mm, scrumptious. I will never forget the Thanksgiving when Bob tried to deep fry a frozen turkey. <laughs> Burned his eyelashes clean off. I wouldn't dream of pouring my memories down the drain. We can help. To find convenient drop-off locations for used cooking oil, visit sfgreasecycle.org. When you ride Muni, you need a Clipper card. It's the all-in-one reloadable transit card. Good on Muni, BART, AC Transit, Caltrain, and Golden Gate Transit and Ferry. Just load it, tag it, and go. It's as easy as one, two, three. Transfers, senior and youth discounts are all automatic. Just load it, tag it, and go. So get your Clipper card today, your all-in-one reloadable transit card, and get on board. This uh, $7.5 million renovation is part of the 2008 Clean and Safe Neighborhood Parks Bond, which was on the ballot four years ago. And look how that public investment has transformed our neighborhoods. Mission Playground is unique in that uh, it serves a, a, a number of uh, age groups, unlike many of the other properties. Uh, it, it serves small children with the, the children's playgrounds and clubhouses. It has basketball courts. It has an outdoor soccer field. Um, so there were a lot of people that came to the table, had their wish list, uh, and we did our best to make sure that 
we kind of divided up spaces and make sure that um, we kept the old features of the playground but were able to enhance all of those features. playground and the soccer fields and the basketball courts and tennis fields is just such a key part of this neighborhood. We want kids to be here, we want families to be here, we want people to have athletic opportunities. We're given a, 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 a real responsibility to ensure that the public's money is used appropriately and that something really special comes of these projects. We generally have about uh, an opportunity maybe every 50 years to, to redo these spaces. Um, and it, it's really, really rewarding to see children and families benefit um, you know, from the change of culture at each one of these properties. And as a result, what you see behind us, more kids are playing on our soccer fields than ever before. We have more girls playing sports than we've ever had before. And we are sending a strong message that San Francisco families are welcome and we want you to stay. This park is open. Cornfield. Welcome to Building San Francisco. We're doing a special series, Stay Safe, exploring how you can stay in your home safely and comfortably after an earthquake. Let's look at some common earthquake myths. We're here at the Spur Urban Center on Mission Street in San Francisco. We have two guests, actually three guests today. Um, we have David Bonowitz, a structural engineer, Pat Buskovich, a structural engineer, and Harvey the Wonder Dog, who's often with us on Building San Francisco. Um, I wanted to talk about urban myths, plenty of myths. Harvey, Harvey, what do you think about earthquakes? Can you tell if they're coming in advance? He's sleeping during those earthquakes. Have you ever noticed him take any special uh, No, no. Advance? If anything, we've had earthquakes at night, and he sleeps right through them. So there is no truth that I'm aware of, particularly with Harvey, uh, that the uh, dog is aware of an impending earthquake. Have you heard anything about that, David? Well, you hear the myth all the time. Right. But uh, suppose your dog does get up. What, is that, is that going to help you do something? I've heard that animals may be more sensitive to the very small vibrations that begin an earthquake. Who knows? But yes, I've also read extensively that actually animals cannot predict earthquakes. So I think we should say that is definitely a myth. Yes. At least that's my take anyway. Okay, let's see. Another... How about earthquake weather? Today is a spectacular day in San Francisco. Something that sometimes people would say, this is earthquake weather. It's still and it's warm. Is this earthquake weather? 
No, no not that I've heard of. No such thing. There's no connection between no the weather. Thing. We're talking about the weather, which is on a, a daily or weekly cycle, and earthquakes, which are on the cycle of hundreds of years. There's no relationship. Yeah, and I've heard it's hot weather, and I've heard it's cold weather, and I've heard it's rain. So I'm not even sure what weather is the myth. How about morning or evening? People say sometimes time of day is, uh, impacts earthquakes. Yeah, it happens whenever it's least convenient. <laughs> <laughs> right, if it's cold and raining. Yes. <laughs> uh, honestly, when it, when it happens and everybody lives, people say we were lucky, and when it happens and they, they don't, they say, well, it was terrible timing. I, look, it's, it's never a good time for an earthquake. But we're going to have one. We are going to have one. How about the ground opening up and swallowing people in cars? Is that something that's likely to happen? I mean, like in that, like in that TV Su movie? Superman. Yeah. 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 When Lois Lane collapsed into uh, the earth with her car. Yeah. No. I, you could have some fissures forming, but not like the TV shows. No, they don't, they don't swallow you up whole. But the earth does move, and it sometimes uh, bumps up, and you get ground uh, fracture, very, very rare, and of course it's not the kind of thing that opens you up and sucks you into Hades. Right. <laughs> or anywhere. No, or anywhere. Thank you. Um, is California falling into the ocean, the next big earthquake, or are we just going to like fall off and get all wet in here? I hope so, because I've got property in the valley. <laughs> no. It's not going anywhere. We're staying put. Uh, we will have a lot of damage, but the, the storylines that California will disappear in the ocean and Arizona will become beachfront property is not real. What's actually happening is that the coastal part of California is moving, the southern part of California is moving north so that it's not falling off, it's coming up from the south to the north, mm -hmm. the but, west, but on the you, west side of the fault. You'd have to be able to invest over the million year cycle, <laughs> not weeks or years, but millions of years. But maybe a million years from now, part of LA will be up in the Bay Area. For better or worse. Yes. <laughs> okay, here's a really tough question, actually, that people say all the time. Those other ones weren't tough? This, those were easy. This is a real challenge. Do the smaller earthquakes relieve stress on a fault so that the larger earthquake will be less strong or will be less frequent? Theoretically, yes, but the amount, of, the amount of energy that's released in each small earthquake that does no damage is so small, you need many, many of those to, to add so up. So effectively to, not Effectively not enough to change what's actually going to happen in the big one we're expecting. Yes, I think you would probably have to have maybe hundreds of magnitude 4 earthquake to equal 1.7. So, and how many fours have we had? So it, it, it doesn't do any appreciable reduction in the amount of energy needs to be released. So small earthquakes are not making, making our lives better in the future. Not, just... not in any way you can count on. Okay. Yes. Um, I have heard that the Transamerica building and other buildings in San Francisco are on rollers and they're all isolated. Is that true? One of my favorite myths. For the Transamerica pyramid, not true. It's a conventional foundation like almost all the buildings in San Francisco, there are a few newer buildings that have what's called base isolation, but the Transamerica Pyramid is not one of those. Yeah, Transamerica was built way before the technology came out from base isolation, so it's a pretty conventional foundation design. I have heard about this thing called the Triangle of Life, and you're supposed to like roll into this edge next to your bed or something to save yourself. Is there, is there anything to value in that? Yes, but... It's not the, the recommended approach. If you're awake and in your room, that's not what you should do. You should d drop, cover, and hold on to something. If you're at school, same thing. If you're in your kitchen, same thing. If you happen to be in bed and you roll over next to your bed, 
not a bad place to be. Better to be under it, though. But the conventional wisdom is drop, cover, hold on. And I agree with that. Yeah, the, the reality is that when we have a major earthquake, the ground shaking is going to be so pronounced that you're not going to be able to get up and go anywhere. You're going to be pretty much going to be staying where you are when that earthquake hits because it will be very pronounced shaking. You're not going to be able to stand up and outrun gravity. But you want to get under something so that things that might fall. Are not yes, a door frame or something, but you're not going to be moving great distances. Okay. Where can I buy a Richter scale, Pat? Uh, Charles, Charles is selling them. Mr. Richter is selling yeah, cold hardware. We're going to put a plug in for cold hardware. They sell them. No, they're not available. Uh, it's a rather complex. Um, in fact, we don't, frankly, we don't even use the Richter scale anymore. Honestly. Yeah. We, we use something called moment magnitude. It works on the same kind of scale, but that's, uh, that was an early uh, um, technology that we don't really use anymore. So probably the myth that I hear most often is my building is just fine in the 1989 Loma Prieta earthquake, so I'm, everything's just fine. Is that true? No. The Loma Prieta earthquake was a significant earthquake in Santa Cruz due to attenuation or the distance we, San Francisco is away from Santa Cruz. The ground accelerations here was quite moderate and the duration was very moderate. So anyone who believes that they survived a big earthquake and Loma Prieta is a big earthquake and their building has been tested is sadly mistaken. Now, what we're planning for is the bigger earthquake closer to San Francisco, maybe even the bigger earthquake on the Hayward Fault, totally independent. Much stronger than the uh, Loma Prieta earthquake. In San Francisco, it will feel much stronger than we felt here due to 1989. So people who were here in 89, they should say three times as strong in terms of the shaking and twice as long. And that will give them more of an indication of the earthquake that we think will occur in our lifetime. Not the great earthquake, the probable earthquake, three times the size of Loma Prieta. And one of the important facts is there's a threshold of damage, and at 10% isn't really the threshold of damage. So when you triple it, you're across that line. It's dramatically more damage in the next big earthquake. I want to thank you. Thank you, Harvey. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, David, for joining us. And thank you for joining us, and stay safe. And now, it is my great pleasure to introduce the Honorable Edwin M. Lee, Mayor of the City and County of San Francisco, to offer our welcome to you. And a giant stand. we have done in the city, but they listen to the city, all the people that are here this morning, I want to say a great thank you, because when I hear your names, I simply haven't done enough. And I want to say thank you to the Interfaith Council for welcoming me here, for bringing us together, as you do every single year, and to read in the Michael, the entire uh, board of the Interfaith Council. It's a pleasure to work with you to celebrate 25 years of fantastic work. We have a very clear agenda, and let me just share a moment with you what that agenda is. Uh, there is 
a lot of challenges in this city and a lot of success that is going on. And when I uh, engage with so many of you in this room to hear what we need to do and what people we need to serve even better and the people we need to be more inclusive of, uh, I've got a, a really great sense of confidence uh, that we can accomplish more. About a year ago, many of you in this room engaged me into what the affordability agenda should be for this city, as challenged as we are. And yes, we recognize all of the things uh, that were challenging to us. But we made a commitment to work together and began with a very big anchor, and that was saying the lowest wage earners in this city deserve a higher wage so they can live a little more gracefully. And that became the minimum wage that our voters voted on. going to be called the most progressive in the country, but for us, it's not about the number. It's about the compassion that we have for people to be able to live uh, more richly and deserve to. And now we embark upon the new commitment, because that one is done, and we will make sure it is uh, implemented and done correctly, bringing all the business community together, as well as small businesses, as well as the people that are working uh, but we now are tackling, I think, one of the most complicated issues of our time, and that is housing. Housing for everyone. And we've already got, yes, please, we already have a very strong dialogue going with the Interfaith Council, but with many people in this room. And we're already building on successes that we have. And certainly with Leader Pelosi's help and so many of our uh, other representatives, uh, we have, uh, together with the Board of Supervisors, a very, very strong agenda. We will build 30,000 units of housing. I assure you of that. We will make sure that that housing is affordable that at least a third, in, and there now is more conversation that more of that percentage will be affordable to working people, to low-income people, and we're building on foundations such as what we did just 10 days ago. We opened up, Nancy, 130 additional units for our veterans. And that was on top of the hundreds that we've done. segments. Uh, we are focused on families, particularly uh, uh, the uh, women-led families that are on our streets with our kids. We're utilizing the great relationships we're building with our private industries, our successful technology companies, to forge uh, the unity with them and with all the foundations that are creating so that we can build more of the needed housing. We're stabilizing our neighborhoods. We're pouring in more money to procure those distressed properties that speculators may be looking to, and we're going to try to get there first so that we prevent more of these uh, just ugly evictions of people who are long time deserve to be in the city. We will do more, we will activate. Uh, I think we have all of the conversations with you, uh, and I join and I thank the Interfaith Council for identifying any and all the properties that we can work together uh, to make sure that the cost of housing is brought down
for all of our communities. This is what we do for each other. And I know uh, when GL uh, led uh, the moment of silence for the Brown family, I personally felt that we need to do more. And in our city of San Francisco, with our chief and with our law enforcement and with our DA, we don't talk so much these days about criminal justice. We talk about restorative justice. This is the direction that we continue to ourselves to. No matter how we may be compassionate about what happened there in Ferguson and the issues of justice, joining President Obama to get a thorough investigation, I joined with the U.S. Conference of Mayors to make sure we're doing all that we can. Here in San Francisco, our obligation to is, our, is to our own people, to our youth, to make sure that we are reaching them, whether it's our public education institutions, reaching them with our community-based programs, making the ties with our job creation and making sure they have the skill sets, having those conversations with them constantly to find out what their needs are and to bring more collaboration together. That's why I love this theme. I almost thought, Michael, that uh, more people come together was another celebration of the fourth World Series that we would have. <laughs> but this is yet another great theme for our cities, coming together, more of us, doing more, uh, making more promises and carrying each of them out. Uh, I am grateful uh, to this council and grateful to all of you in this room. Let us continue not only working together, but demonstrating on the delivery of our promises. When I was in Bayview with uh, people who are developing and creating jobs there, I've often said, I'm not interested in making new promises. I'm interested in carrying out the old ones. And those are the ones that we've all, for years, uh, Amos and others, we promised we would be our brother's keeper. We promised that we would have a compassionate city. We promised that we would do all we can to keep this city not only together, but more inclusive and more diversified. And that's why you'll see us leading the effort to diversify our industries, whether they're tech or healthcare, bringing more housing, more affordability. The affordability agenda is alive and well, and the people in Francisco have this unique relationship to come together and always forge a direction for everybody. Thank you, and as mayors do, I get, this, I get to again breach the church and state uh, line <laughs> by declaring this San Francisco Interfaith Council Day here in our city. Thank you very much.
by March the weather improved, the crisis was over, or so we thought. But nature has a mind of her own, and October 17, 1989, found us in the middle of another crisis, the Loma Prieta earthquake. Again, the faith community met the challenge. Come on. Thanks to the leadership of Pastor Jim Emerson of Calvary Presbyterian Church and a generous grant from Church World Service, which was administered by an interfaith committee. Out of these two crises, the San Francisco Interfaith Council was born, a shining example that despite differences on some issues, together we can do more to mend this broken world. But that was yesterday. Michael Pappas has today's story and tomorrow's promise. Thank you.
they live their faith, and their faith is strong. I'll say more about them in a moment, but I also want to take joy in the fact that my pastor, Father Westray, is the one of the co-chairs of this morning's breakfast. Where are you, Father? Where did you go? Where are you? Oh, he's in, a, oh, okay. he's, in, he's in an in-charge seat over here. That's how you usually see him in church. In charge. So on Sunday, no, I went to Mass on Saturday this week. I have this Rita thing here. I'm just going to kick it back a second. The, the little stool. Does anybody else need it? Um, so I was, it was very interesting to me. You would think I would have realized this full well, how many times all of us have quoted the Gospel of Matthew. We know it so well. It's our motivation. When I was hungry, you gave me to eat. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was homeless, you... But at Mass on Saturday, this week, I went, um, uh, when Father, he has a really kind of a booming voice, and when he gave the, he said the Gospel, it, it sunk in in a kind of a different way. It was the Gospel of Matthew this weekend. And he went to the next part of it, which I want to reference because it is the challenge that we face in our country, among some in public policy, who pray on Sunday and then pray on people the rest of the week. You know the gospel. When I was come, you are blessed by the Father and inherit the kingdom. For when I was hungry, you gave me food; a thirsty, you gave me drink; a stranger, you welcomed me; naked, you clothed me; and when you cared for me in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When you see a stranger and welcome you and naked and clothe you? When did we see you in prison and visit you? When you did this, the least of my mind, you did it for me. We know that, right? Okay. And then, not as much quoted, but this is the point of the matter that we go through almost every day. Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. A stranger, you gave me no welcome. Naked, and gave me no clothing. Ellen, in prison, and you did not care for me. And then they will say, Lord, when did I see you hungry, thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or ill in prison, and not minister your needs? And he will say to them, Amen, I say to you, what you did not do for one of the least ones, you did not do for me. And these will go off to eternal punishment. Now, that's what's happening, is people think, well, I did this, I did that. And we have initiatives that cut food for the, home, for the hungry, cut uh, the housing for the homes, all of those things that are negative in an aggressive way. And I think that we have to challenge all of us in public policy, certainly not here in San Francisco, which is the model of the gospel, living the gospel, but in public policy to say, it isn't only what you think you did, it's what you did not do, and what you are aggressively not doing. Because this is the battle of the budget that we face. This is the battle of the budget that we face. And it's very, it's very strange because people base, base it on faith. God put people in the garden so that they could work, so they eat. If you don't work, you don't eat. Or what about children? So we have a real challenge, and we always want to be optimistic and see the best in people and be hopeful about what we can draw out. 
But we have to not only challenge on the positive side, but to say what people are not doing because there's so many missed opportunities. And what is emerging is something that is aggravated by disparity of income in our country, which is being aggravated by what people are not doing for the common good, working together. And in this community where we are blessed with so much, the tradition of a city, the tradition of a city that has a, a public service and compassion, but beyond compassion, philanthropy to go with it along the way. Because people like Rita Semmel and many of you in your capacities have shown a way. How can I be helpful? You have shown the way. So we are a very special city. I know there are other cities that are special too, but in our own way, the way we were established, the way pioneers came here, the way people took responsibility for each other, the knowledge, the, the uh, uh, attraction of so many brave, uh, courageous people to come here and then to take responsibility for each other. So when we see technology moving in and all the rest, as we have and consider it a blessing, we have to say, how does that address our challenges? Now, I just want to leave you with one thought on that subject. If we are ever going to end the disparity of opportunity for our children, if we are ever going to end disparity of income for their families, we must end the disparity in their education. And that is what we must do. Uh, technology as well as on the technological side, techies and humanists. Techies and humanists, San Francisco is the perfect place to bring all of that together. So I thank you all for what you do because as I go table to table, I see so many of you who have taken the lead, who have achieved so much success, who care, who know and who care and who get a job done. And that we are particularly blessed, well, Again, as Rita said, when, uh, when the uh, Interfaith Council came together. And it's helped us in so many ways. And remembering what Christ said about a stranger, well, we have an immigration bill. We could pass in a second. We could pass in a second. That is something that we are not doing for the, the least of mine, Christ said of mine. So in any event, uh, I think that we have to hold everybody to the standards that they proclaim for themselves. And one thing that we have to do following last night, which was as heartbreaking, heartbreaking uh, an outcome, but no surprise, but nonetheless heartbreaking, is to listen to our young people. They are very clearly saying things must change. We can't have little incremental change. The president spoke so beautifully about this. We have to change attitudes. We have to have people be true to what they say they are when they profess their religiosity, many of them. And so that was really sad. What's sad for me was when the, more than I should be saying on this subject, when the, when the um, prosecuting attorney went in such detail, I was on a plane so I could every word of it over and over again, such detail over and over again about what happened that night as he understood it, that they never said, and then Michael Brown was lying there for four and a half hours, and nobody tended to him. 
Four and a half hours. And, and um, you know, we don't know when soul leaves the body, but nonetheless, this is a person. This is a person, and we have to value people in life, of course, but also uh, in death. And I found that to be, well, if you're going to tell the whole story, let's tell the whole story about how we value, how we value people. So all that I said about Matthew, and you know, we, we love that. It's the New Testament read, I know, but I know you embrace in your interface. I go to the Old Testament, and I take it uh, to Judy. Actually, I'll be your answer. I heard one of you fathers, and I know which one it is, but I'm not going to call you out. Say this in church, in the cathedral, years ago. And so I quote, I quote it all the time, and then my conservative friends try to undermine say, we can't find that in the Bible. And my father said, and that's it. That's my story. And I'm taking but what father said in church is, won't to minister to the needs of God's creation is an act of worship. To ignore those needs is to dishonor the God who made us. You go find it. Isaiah, my favorite, but remember. <laughs> That's what George and Judy Marcus do. That's what they do. They they they're wonderful, beautiful family, interfaith, Greek Orthodox and Catholic. Never, ever, uh, always looking for ways to be helpful, never saying no uh, when an opportunity presents itself. And they do that all the time. And it's become like their aura, a way of life. You don't have to convince. If they, love, if they see the need, trust your judgment, they're soft touch on all this stuff. They really are. <laughs> In any event, what I mean to say is that they have big hearts and, and uh, it's so appropriate that they have been, uh, are being honored today because they too truly do minister to the needs of God's creation and, and uh, that as an act of worship. So thank you, Paul, because you're all so special and the fact that you are honoring them today is a perfect match. They're so great, you're so great. It's a perfect way to say Happy Thanksgiving to our community. And again, to acknowledge the extraordinary leadership of Rita Semmel, a force of nature. She has peace in her heart. It begins with her and she spreads to, it spreads to the rest of us. So please know how proud I am to represent you in Congress, to bring your values, the Song of St. Francis, uh, our anthem, uh, to the Congress so that uh, where there is darkness, we may bring light. Thank you all very much for giving me that opportunity. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Congratulations, George and Lee Marcus. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and Michael Powell. Hi, I'm Lawrence Cornfield. Welcome to another edition of Building San Francisco, Stay Safe. Today, we're gonna to talk about fire safety after an earthquake.
We're here at the Spur Urban Center on Mission Street here in San Francisco where there's this wonderful display, a little house built here in the, in the uh, Urban Center's uh, exhibition area that shows what it is like in a home in San Francisco after an earthquake. And one of the major issues that we're going to face after earthquakes are fire hazards. And we're so happy to have my old friend Tom Harvey, the fire marshal, joining us today. Nice so, to see you again, Lawrence. It's a pleasure. And, you know, people talk about earthquakes and fires together. The great 1906 San Francisco earthquake really was a fire that devastated most of the city. Uh, how do we avoid that kind of problem uh, in a small, small home-by-home home area? How can we reduce fire hazards? Well, I think the construction is a lot different than it was in 1906, 106 years ago. So we don't expect that giant conflagration like we had then. Uh, one thing is the gas meters. We want to make sure that the gas is shut off should you smell a leak. You don't want to shut it off if you don't smell a leak. If you shut it off, you're going to have no hot water, no heat, no way to cook. So be careful not to shut it off unless you smell gas. Absolutely, because once you do shut it off, then you really should have a utility company come by and check your entire gas piping system before turning it back on. So here's our little mock-up of a gas meter on the side of our little mock-up house. Mm -hmm. Where do we usually find a gas meter, Tom? It would usually be in the garage. Everyone should be familiar with where their gas meter is and know how to shut off the gas should they need to. And one of the necessary tools is some kind of a wrench to shut it off. A crescent wrench or some other wrench that fits on the little valve. Yes, the, the crescent wrench is good and that, this is a perfect example of having it in a tied up there so you can just loosen it up and use it when you need it. Okay, let's go inside and talk about fire safety inside the house. Many of the issues here relate to fire. Um, for example, we have a little smoke detector and I see you brought one here, a smoke and carbon monoxide detector. Tell us about how important this is and why we need it. This is a combination uh, smoke and carbon monoxide detector. And the carbon monoxide detectors are required in all single family homes now and by January 1st in apartment buildings. And if a gas appliance is not burning properly, this will alert you before uh, the fumes build up and may affect you negatively. And this is a battery uh, backup or battery powered? This is a battery powered and it has a 10-year life on the battery. So it's, uh, it works for 10 years and then it's time to replace it. And it, this works for the smoke detector and carbon monoxide. Uh, a lot of times you may have one or the other. So if you put in just a carbon monoxide detector, you should still have a smoke detector. Also important to have a fire extinguisher in your home, I believe. Every house should have a fire extinguisher, yes. One of the things people expect to do when their power goes out, which is likely to happen after an earthquake, is to either use flashlights or candles. What should we be worried about with open flames and candles? Well, if you can use a battery-operated candle and you have those, those are better to use and safer. This kind of a candle, you wouldn't want to have it in an area where it could just sit like this uh, by, and possibly catch something on fire, or if there's a... Aftershock, maybe? Aftershock, there yeah. we go. If there's an aftershock, that it doesn't tip over and maybe roll off. So I see you have a chimney or a glass to have it in, but you definitely want to have this on a non-combustible surface and somewhere that's stable so you don't have to worry about it tipping over. And then here we have our stove. Now, 
after an earthquake, a significant earthquake, we expect that we may have gas disrupted. And so without gas in your home, how are you going to cook? Well, I wouldn't recommend cooking inside the house if you're not using a stove and it hasn't been turned off. So you'll have to go outside and use either a portable stove or something else. So it wouldn't be safe to use your fireplace to cook? Not after an earthquake. Uh, for cooking or heating, you should have it checked by a professional first. Here we are outside. This should be a safe place to cook outside as long as you're away from the door or windows where you might get combustible uh, fumes inside the building or, or noxious fumes. Yeah, I think that would be fine. Here we have a little cooking setup. What are some alternative ways of cooking, would you think? Well, you have barbecues, your regular barbecue, and once again, keep it away from the doorway so you don't get carbon monoxide in. Or if you have a regular propane barbecue, just make sure you turn off the tank after use. So thank you so much for joining us today, Fire Marshal. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. And thanks to Spur for letting us use this terrific uh, set that they have in their uh, exhibition space. And thank you for joining us here for Building San Francisco Stay Safe. Join us again for another edition of Stay Safe, and we'll see you soon. Good afternoon. We're right at the foot of True Hope Church of God in Christ. I need call and response. We're <laughs> <laughs> so welcome, welcome. Thank you all for being here. My name is LaShawn Walker. I'm the Director of Community Affairs for Lennar Urban. And this is a wonderful, wonderful occasion. And I just thank you so much for coming, particularly um, at sh such short notice. We welcome you. We thank you. Um, and so I'm going to um, spend a few minutes with you before I turn it over to our illustrious mayor, who is to my left. Um, I wanted to just give a, take a minute to um, make some acknowledgments and then also um, say a couple of other words. So we have, um, all of you look so beautiful today, and we have some special guests in the house um, sitting right in front of me. I have Commissioner Kim Brandon, Commissioner Linda Richardson, CAC Chair Dr. Veronica Honeycutt, OCII Director Tiffany Bohe and Dr. Aurelius Walker. I also have CAC Co-Chair coming in, Ms. Ali Mixon. And where is Ms. Ashley Ward from Sun Reporter? There she is, there she is, there she is. Um, and I also see one of my speakers who's just come in, I think. Ah, oh, there he is, there he is. <laughs> newly elected school board representative, Shaman Walton. So before I turn the microphone over to uh, Mayor Lee, I just wanted to um, say for most of you I, I know who are in the audience that in addition to my work with Lenar Urban, I live here in this community and so this is a great uh, moment for me. Um, I come from a mother who never left the house without a hat and gloves. And I come from a father who always had a perfect double pleat, inch and a half cuff with a medium break. And so if you know what I'm talking about, then I'm talking to you. Um, but I've been known to do a bit of shopping in my day, um, just a bit. And so um, this news is exciting news. And so 
with that, I turned it over to our also always snappily dressed Mayor Edwin Lee. Well, thank you, LaShawn. Uh, good morning, everyone. Good afternoon. Welcome to Candlestick, to our wonderful Hunter's Point and our beautiful southeast sector of the city of San Francisco. Uh, you know, when I, as soon as I saw Shimon, uh, I smiled because he's now in the business of uh, carrying out as another elected official promises to our youth, and we're going to work very closely together. And every time I'm here in this community, uh, it is about something that we will work together on, and that is fulfilling promises, whether it's for our youth or whether it's for our former redevelopment commissioners and now OCII members that are all here today, uh, whether it's Citizens Advisory Committee members or former port uh, commissioners that have been in this community for many, many years. Uh, when people who are elected in City Hall come back here, we've got to be fulfilling promises. Isn't that right, Dr. Aurelius Walker? Yes, that is. And Amelia asked you more. That's always right. And so we're here today. Uh, and I want to make sure that as you leave, I'm looking to make sure none of you carry any of those seats underneath your coats, <laughs> trying to take these seats out on your own before Kofi gets to them. <laughs> but uh, uh, this is a wonderful uh, fulfillment, uh, another stage of fulfilling a promise that we made to particularly this community and now to the entire city of San Francisco that uh, as painstaking as it was to have the Niners leave us, on this historic stadium uh, and having Mr. McCartney play the final concert here, we are now ready. We're ready to then start fulfilling the promise of this development with some 12,000 new homes that we're about to see in all parts of this place. Homes, housing, housing, a great promise to people who need that uh, to make sure that at least a third of them are permanently affordable. Dr. Relis, you're part of that whole effort. So is OCII with Tiffany's leadership. Uh, we're fulfilling that promise. But there are other promises about to be made uh, that Mr. Brandt and Mr. Uh, Bonner and Urban uh, Lennar and Messerich will do, and that is to have both a re uh, redevelopment of this entire area where myself and DPW used to pump the water out of this parking lot on playoff games in order to get everybody in here, that now it starts turning into the development that invites everybody, more resources, people down here, and the real promise that I get to oversee, 50% local hiring of our people here, beginning right here in the Bayview Candlestick area immediately and in the adjacent communities it's been about jobs, it's always been about jobs and all the projects, whether it's rebuilding of Alice Griffith that Lennar is already involved in, or it's uh, the other uh, projects that we're rebuilding, or it's the new housing that we're putting up. Local hiring is a major part of that principle of how we do it, as well as another promise of 50% at least of small business interaction with this development. This will be a development they all are going to be very, very proud of. Uh, and I've already seen some of the wonderful shopping retail uh, sites that uh, Messerich has already been involved in, whether it's as close as Walnut Creek or Santa Monica or as far away of where my daughter's shopping in Queens, New York. 
they always tell me where they're shopping, uh, that uh, this will be a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. It also reflects investor confidence in this part of the city that doesn't get to talk about investor confidence a lot, except now with all the people, with the Citizens Advisory Committee in particular, with residents here, along with people who have worked on this plan for years and years and getting that input, now is when we get the promises starting fulfilled. So I am overjoyed, as you can tell, uh, that uh, we get to work in a community that's been appreciative of this development, have approved of the homes, the retail, the small business, the jobs that are conducted here, and to see this transformation as we are already seeing in the shipyard, a real transformation with people that are really here that are lifting their lives up and being part of the transformation, not being a victim of it, but being in a part of it that they can see their own future and future generations that uh, Shaman is going to be a part of as we educate our kids saying, first things first, we promise something, we deliver, that's the word that should be always part of our education to the very people that we have gotten together to make that promise. And I am so proud to be a city, a three times World Series championship city in five years, uh, to also bring those promises uh, to fulfillment in this community. So with that, uh, Sean, thank you for, for your work on behalf of Lennar. And Lennar, Kofi, I can't thank you enough. Uh, keep coming with all these great announcements, all these investor-confident announcements, and we are proud to work with you and on the ground in support. Let's get this job done. Let's get the, the crew start working here. And don't take any seats with you. <laughs> Thank you. You see so many new, more people as you sit and look out. So I want to take, um, I'm a little bit taller. I'll just. <laughs> I just want to take one more minute. Um, to acknowledge some, there's so many community people that have come to join us to share in this good news with us today. So I wanted to just acknowledge, um, I see um, Tracy Ward from Take Wings Foundation and the YMCA. I see DJ Brookter from YCD. I see Tassine Parker, Associate Executive Director from the Y. Um, I see Lola Whittle. And I see Yvonne Dillon. There are so many of you. I could just go around. And so just I wanted to acknowledge some more community people. I see Elise Vincent, um, part of the IC. I see some of our brothers and sisters from ABU are here and have joined us. So um, with that, I'm going to bring up, as I already acknowledged him, Shaman Walton, um, newly elected to our San Francisco School Board. But we know him, most of us know him from his work as executive director of YCD. Um, and that work um, has grown and enlarged to include youth training. And so we're excited to have him as a partner and a newly member of the elected body for San Francisco. Shaman Walton. How you doing? How you doing? Thank you so much, LaShawn, Mr. Mayor. Well, good afternoon, everybody. So this is an exciting time for us to be here today. This, this site, this place, of course, has meant so much to all of us throughout the years. I can remember being a young man living in West Point and living in Petrell Hill and, of course, rooting for our 49ers. Uh, and so we have to do something spectacular here 
to fill that void, of course. And what we're proposing and what's going to be here is actually going to benefit the future of this southeast sector. We know about the great work that's happening on the shipyard right now. We know about the great work that's going to happen with the rebuild of Alice Griffith. And now we're going to have more and more opportunity here in the southeast sector coming right here at this site in Candlestick. It is very, 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 very important that we understand that the survival of a community is in what? Good schools, affordable housing opportunities, and jobs, jobs, jobs. So we're going to look forward, of course, to the wonderful homes that are going to be built here on this site, but also the retail opportunity that's going to be bought now to the southeast sector in the Bayview Hunters Point community. There's going to be an opportunity for so many of our families to work in their own community, so many of our families to continue to live in our own community. We're talking about internship opportunities. We're talking about jobs, after-school jobs for a lot of our students who are going to school and helping out their families. So those things are vital and important to the survival of a community. We want to be here to thrive in San Francisco. We want to be here to thrive in the Southeast. And developments like this, the opportunity that we're going to have for the future generations is something that's unmatchable. And again, we're talking about a site where we lost our team, but we gained the future. So I want all of us to continue to be supportive of this endeavor because at the end of the day, our students, our kids, our families are going to benefit. Thank you. Well, I know you're saying to yourself, well, what is it exactly that we're talking about? So I'm going to bring up the two gentlemen who will give us the details. Um, the fearless leader of Lennar Urban, Kofi Bonner, and the executive vice president of Macer's Corporation, Randy Brandt. Good. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm Kofi Bonner, and this is my partner, Randy Brandt. Randy, is it okay if I say a few things just Absolutely. to set the context and then hand it over? They really don't want to hear from me. They really want to hear from you. But I will provide some context. I see shopping in everybody's future. Good quality shopping right here. It's really beautiful. But I did want to take a minute uh, to just reflect on how we got here. Many of you were with us side by side in 2008 when we went out and we went to the city, the whole city, and we proposed to build a master plan community on the shipyard and here on Candlestick. And at that time, we promised what? We promised jobs, we promised parks, and we promised housing. I am so delighted to say that we are now, we have found a partner that can work very closely with us here on the Candlestick site to deliver such an important component of the master plan community over on this, uh, on this candlestick site. As you well know, on the shipyard, we began construction on 300 homes earlier in the year, and we actually are almost sold out of our first 88 homes. And Mr. Mayor, you will be very happy to hear that many of them are San Franciscans. Many of them are first-time home buyers, and they're from a wide demographic that uh, really is exciting for us to see. Next year, we'll probably begin another 400 homes over in the shipyard. Right now, you, there was some clanging a little earlier, and that was us working in conjunction with the city, developing the infrastructure that will pave the way for the sites that we begin the rebuild of Alice Griffith. 
So along this election process and through the government entitlement process, we had so many community meetings, and we listened to the community, and we really, really worked closely. Many, many of you are here today, and I want to tell you that we listen every day to the comments, and we try to weave those comments into the future of this master plan community. So Alice Griffith is underway, but what I think what is spectacular is that we will be able to provide this 500,000 square foot retail center right here and integrate it into the, build, into the delivery of 6,000 residential homes right here, and it will be nestled with parks and open space right adjacent to this beautiful waterfront. And I will tell you that it gives me great delight to announce this historic partnership in between two fairly significant giants in the development area, Maestrich <laughs> Corp, as, despite my stature, Maestrich Corporation and Lennar. So with that, I'd like to turn it over to my new partner here to de describe just how this retail center will evolve. Randy, thank you. Chris over here asked us a question earlier. He said, are you gamblers? <laughs> and I said, no, we're scientists. <laughs> but I've had more time to think about it. We're chefs. All the ingredients are here, a great community, a great trade area, great tourism, for the chefs to deliver a meal that you're going to love. That's what we're going to do. Uh, we're very excited about uh, partnering uh, with Lenar. They've been great partners. I'm very excited to be here because I, I, wasn't, I was never part of any of the community. It's great to see what a great community that, that this is. And there's one thing about Mace, which our mantra is that we have you know, over 50 centers across the country. We realize that we're a very important part of the community, and we embrace the communities. Our managers and our marketing directors and our staff become involved in the community. And it's not because we mandate it, it's because it's just in their DNA. So we will become very much a part of the community. But we're excited to build this project uh, and develop this project. You're going to see about 130 stores, a very high-end, high all the way down to the Foot Lockers and the um, uh, Banana Republics and, and Gaps, et cetera. But you're going to see about 130 stores of a, a very great mix. Uh, we did this in Chicago, right outside of Chicago in Rosemont. And we opened it about a year and a half ago, and it's been a tremendous success. I know you're going to love it. Thank you very much. I just want to make sure you're not too shy about You talked about the low end, but there are some people I see out here who are actually interested in the higher end, too. Well, in chi Chicago, we have Cuccinelli, uh, Gucci, um, Armani, et cetera. They're, they're, they will all be here. I hope. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. LeSean? Yes, there are definitely some more people in the house that are interested in shopping, but I won't, I won't name them right now, although I'm looking right, right at them. Um, so I wanted to make a couple of more um, acknowledgments before I um, introduce our next speaker. Um, one, Commissioner Al Norman is here. Um, and my, um, my, my biological father is here. So I thank you for being here and teaching me real estate so that I could get to work with all of these wonderful people. Oh, thank you. Um, I wanted to then bring up um, Dr. Aurelius Walker. As we sit at the foot of Aurelius Walker Drive, um, as I said, we're sitting at the foot of um, True Hope 
Church of God in Christ. Pastor has been the pastor of that church for almost 47 years um, as he first started to go door to door to work with men in transition. And so he has a unique perspective on what this retail center and the opportunities here mean for our community. So with that, Dr. Aurelius Walker, I love to say that. Thank you, Michonne. To our distinguished and honorable mayor, uh, Mayor Ed Lee, and to one of the most important persons in this whole sitting today, Mr. Kofi Barnard. And Kofi, today is your day. You have gone through many trials, many difficulties, and I had the privilege of going with you and the NAW, and I am so excited today until I know what to do. Most people say they're so excited they don't know what to do. <laughs> For the last 50 years, I've lived in Baby Hunters Point. I've pastored, as you said. Uh, thank you, LaShawn. For the last, soon will be 47 years. Uh, I have worked in some relationship with the shipyard and Council Point plan for the last 30 some odd years. And to be here at 83 years old, soon will be 84 next year. <laughs> to see the coming to pass of the 32% housing we talked about in this project, uh, uh, the um, unemployment being addressed in a very positive way. I read it in the paper just a few days a day, a few days ago. So it looks like we're back in uh, open session, and we discussed uh, items uh, three, and we want to call item four right now, so we can call that for uh, open session. Item three will be open at the same time as item four. Okay. Item number four, recommend annual compensation for the executive director for 2015. This is an action item. Okay, very, very good. Um, First of all, we had a presentation from our executive director, Tilly Chang, uh, and uh, we also, on, on our performance goals for the past year and proposed goals for next year as well. And uh, we rated her on her performance, and we all were pretty uh, consistent in giving her overall performance goal of exceptionally good, which was where we were at before the, six months ago for the six-month review. Uh, the six-month review that we had was actually kind of a, not a mandatory review, but one that we had set up earlier when we actually brought uh, Ms. Chang on. Uh, and so uh, we're seeing the continuation of that effort. Um, we were actually in between exceptionally good and outstanding was the overall rating. Uh, and uh, we actually really appreciated the presentation from our executive director hitting a number of high points uh, this past year, especially in the collaboration and cooperation with the mayor's office and many of the agencies within uh, the city itself, but also within the region, uh, hitting some significant uh, 
you know, achievements uh, working with you know, Caltrain and working with the MTC and ABAG. And uh, then we have a number of projects that we're, we've been able to see that go forward uh, that have really been a high point as well for the Transportation Authority, uh, seeing our, our Tima Treasure Island uh, Mobility Management Agency Authority come together uh, under her leadership, uh, continuation of Doyle Drive, as well as the work around uh, the AR for uh, Geary uh, Bus Rapid Transit, which will be coming before us next year. Uh, the leadership that she's shown within the Transportation Authority has been quite exceptional, and we rated her, you know, according to that. So I want to thank you, uh, Ms. Chang, for, for your work. Uh, and uh, it's really been, you know, a pleasure to work with you this past year. I will be um, not serving as chair after this this year, but I know there'll be other folks coming in. But it's been a real pleasure to work with you, and uh, I've been very proud of the work of the Transportation Authority and the collaboration that's been going on with, you know, with my colleagues on the board and you know all around City Hall. Are we are we an open session? We yeah. we are, and so I want to just thank you for for your great work on that. Um, I'm not sure if colleagues have anything else to to add to. Actually, I'll just really briefly say that. Um, I think um, our director, Tilly Chang's, um, really increased the visibility of the agency. Um, I think her active involvement with much of the city um, transportation, but also community-related events, is very noticeable. And I think promoting the 25-year organization to um, as many organizations, whether they're citywide or neighborhood-based, is really an important improvement. I think more work with the press and communications is really visible too, especially the Chinese press, but I wanted to thank you and appreciate that. Um, I think you've shown a self-critical approach to how you're running the agency based on a lot of feedback, and I, I noticed that, um, and that's a constant effort to improve. Um, I think the morale of staff that we've heard some feedback is is really a great morale. I think you're building a, uh, continuing to build a great team, especially the the awesome deputy directors, but also the whole staff. Um, I really appreciate, as um, our Chair Avalos has mentioned, the, the work in um, regional bodies and a visibility there, um, but especially joint work and better relationships with the MTA um, and lots more of a, a collective approach to our city-wide transportation issues. Um, I think those were the main points that I wanted to just give appreciation for and acknowledgement of all the great work that's being done. Great, thank you. Um, so just want to make sure we're going to call a, a roll call vote on each of the items three and four, but I uh, want to make sure colleagues that we agree uh, not to disclose content of the closed session. Okay, uh, very, very good. Um, so when it comes to item number four, um, recommend annual compensation. Uh, what we had decided uh, was that, um, you know, coming in at step five um, and some of the allowances that were provided as well, we wanted to see a little more, a little more time with the agency, leading the agency before going up to the next, the next step. So we were going to continue at this, at this step. But it's something that uh, we felt that the work certainly uh, warrants, you know, getting there with time, uh, continuing on the same trajectory that we're on right now. So I'd like to bring it up again next year, uh, the, the step, the step, next step increase. And to me, um, that makes sense that we, you know, given 
the trajectory that you're on, you have been on, uh, that makes a lot of sense after two years of service within within the agency. And I think that was kind of a consensus on, on the commission as well. Um, so what I'd like to see, we can get a motion to uh, approve item number three. Um, and I guess what would, be, what would the motion be on item number four? Okay. So item number four would be to maintain the current the current step, and item number three would be approve the uh, overall rating of, uh, you know, uh, exceptionally good, uh, and we have um, in the record as well our our we just well what we what we expressed was uh, to you uh, was our uh, real satisfaction with your with your work as uh, executive director. So. So I'll make the motion on those, or those two motions. I'll Great. second. Okay, and we'll take that uh, roll call vote. On items number three and four, Commissioner Avalos? Aye. Avalos, aye. Commissioner Cohen? Aye. Cohen, aye. Commissioner Mar? Aye. Mar, aye. The items passed. I think we didn't have public comment on those. Oh, that's right. So let's uh, in the vote. The vote is rescinded. Great, and then we'll up open these two items up for public comment. Any member of the public who would like to comment? So Chair Avalos and Commissioners Marr and Cohen, thank you so much uh, for your thoughtful feedback, for your consideration, and your support of me and the staff this past year. Uh, it's been a privilege and an honor to serve the city in this way. Um, I've really grown a lot, I think, in my first year, and I continue to strive to improve both personally in my leadership of the agency as well as um, as far as the overall agency's effort. But we are on a, a very strong path. I think your guidance and your support over the past year have been critical to our agency and to our staff uh, from their leadership on the policy aspects of the transportation plan and the investment uh, proposals from the T2030 plan all the way to our staff reorganization proposal. Uh, it's just been a, a pleasure working with you and your staffs. Uh, we just wanted to thank you very much again for your support. Thank you. Okay, so we'll take that roll call vote. Yeah. All right. On items three and four. We'll close public comment first. Right. And then we'll have the roll call vote. Thank you. <laughs> On items number three and four, Commissioner Avalos? Aye. Avalos, aye. Commissioner Cohen? Aye. Cohen, aye. Commissioner Marr? Aye. Marr, aye. The items pass. The items pass. Thank you. Uh, and again, thank you for your great work this past year. Uh, our next item, please. Item number five, introduction of new items. This is an information item. Uh, well, we did talk about reviewing the steps for um, next year, so that's something we can you know, put, possibly put forward as a personnel committee item. Okay. Um, and uh, so now this item is opened up for public comment. Any member of the public would like to comment? And saying no member of the public come forward, we'll close public comment and go on to our next item. Item number six, public comment. Our next item is public comment. Any member of the public would like to comment? Seeing none, come forward. We'll close public comment and go to our next item. Item number seven, adjournment. We are adjourned. Thank you.